You know that thing where you watch something as a kid that you like loved as a kid and you realize you were young when you watched it and so you really under what you loved about it was probably like the cartoon, the really simple funny jokes and then you, you get older and you rewatch it and you sort of do one of these like, what in the world is going on in this movie? Like you're, you're, you're older and more mature so you start to get like the more like nuances of the movie. Uh, one of those for me was Little Mermaid, okay? I'm not saying that was my favorite movie as a little kid. I'm not saying The Little Mermaid was my favorite movie as a kid. But nonetheless, as like an older person now, I'm like, Ariel, uh, listen to your dad, okay? You're 16, you don't know what love is, okay? Don't be signing anything without reading it. Are you kidding me? Right, like there's some of that stuff. Uh, like watching the movie Shrek when I was a kid, I just thought it was a funny movie. And then you get a little older, and all of a sudden you realize there's a few more jokes that were just meant for your parents than you realize, right? It's like watching Cars 2 now and realizing that's the worst one, all right? There's no heart in it at all. It's just like a, a money grab by Disney and Pixar to sell more toys to kids. Like, it's a trash movie, okay? But nonetheless, it's like there's this thing where we kind of grow up and and we didn't always get it as a kid, but then as we got older, we realized, oh, there's a little bit more to that story. And so the story that we're talking about tonight is the story of Samson. And as I grew up in church, Samson was like the closest thing the Bible had to a superhero to me, okay? I love the story of Samson because he did all these cool things. He had super strength, and in my mind, he could do no wrong. Like, he was like the Hercules of the Bible, or like the Hulk, not the Hulk, uh, like... He's a strong guy, okay? He's a strong guy. And I love the stories of Samson. But then I got a little older. You know, and I actually, like, I didn't just watch, like, the kids' movie about it. I, like, read the story from the Bible. And there's a little bit more going on. There's a little bit more than what my childlike brain could understand when I was a kid. And he's a lot more like that bratty teenager. He makes a ton of bad choices. There's a lot more like mature themes in this story than I realized as a kid. And so we're going to talk about this story of Samson. And it all starts just like any superhero story, like the epic origin story for him. And it starts with uh, his mom, who literally an angel comes down from heaven, who may or may not have been actually Jesus. And this is in the Old Testament before Jesus was born, so kind of a crazy like mind bender there. But it, it says that an angel who may or may not have been Jesus came down and said, you're about to have a kid. And that kid is going to rescue you from your enemies and save you from your enemies. Their enemies at the time was this other nation called the Philistines. Goliath was a Philistine, right? They're always been at war with these guys. And the Philistines were kind of beaten up on the Israelites right now. So the angel comes down and literally says, Samson is going to come and he is going to rescue you from these people. But I have a few rules. I need you, the mom, and Samson to follow. Okay, it's called a Nazarite vow. And they knew what a Nazarite vow was, but we don't know what a Nazarite vow is, so I'm gonna explain it to you. A Nazarite vow is this idea back in the day of like, you did a few, three different things for a certain amount of time, and it was to make sure like to be separated, or like the fancy church word is like consecrated, or to be made holy. And it was this idea of like, I'm gonna do this for a little while to get closer to God. To show my devotion to God, I'm going to choose to, to live by these few things, by the Nazarite vow for a time. But here's the interesting part about it, okay, is he says, 
the angel tells Samson's mom, while you are pregnant with Samson, I need you to do this vow. Be, and then when Samson is born, I need Samson to live by this vow. Now, the interesting thing is usually when people did this thing, they only did it for like a month or two or, you know, maybe a little bit longer than that. But it was not meant to be this like lifelong commitment. And you'll understand in a, in a second here. But God, but this angel told her he must live by this vow for his entire life, which is a challenge. But he wanted to make sure that this person, Samson, would be set apart holy, living a sacred life because God had big plans for Samson. So these are the three things that you couldn't do if you were under a Nazarite vow. One, no drinking of any kind. Listen to this in number six. This is how specific it gets. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes, fresh or dried, so no raisins, all days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. Sorry, guys, no grape skins. Uh, those are my favorite part. But um, so serious business here. All right. So that's number one. No wine. Secondly, no cutting of the hair. Now, uh, I went through a, maybe a Nazarite vow of type things when I was, a, you know, a little a couple years ago. This is this is me at my longest hair. Uh, it's pretty long. Uh, and it, I got to tell you, not cutting my hair, awful, okay? It was so hot. Like, I've got pretty thick hair. And so when it got, I don't know, girls, how you do it. When it was hot, it just, like, laid on my neck. It was so sweaty. I hated it so much, okay? Couldn't do it. Please take that picture down. Uh, but you couldn't cut your hair. Now, this makes sense, right, for somebody who's doing it for three months. But your entire life, you're not allowed to cut your hair. Samson's got some locks, okay, for sure. But it says in Numbers 6, a little bit more about it. All the days of his vow of separation of the Nazarite vows, what it's talking, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. So they're saying, pick your time that you're going to do this. Don't cut your hair during that time. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow long, all right? Now, the last one, so no drinking of wine or strong drink, no cutting your hair. And this last one is don't touch dead stuff. All right, which seems a little odd, but it explains it here. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, meaning he's consecrated, he's choosing to be set apart for the Lord. He shall not go near a dead body, not even for his father or for his mother, for a brother or sister, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to, his, to God is on his head. So they're saying like, don't go near dead stuff. This is important. So the thing is, is this whole thing was asking Samson to be set apart. Samson was to live by this Nazarite vow, doing these three things because God wanted him, had plans for him. And much like Samson was set apart, so are we. As God's kids, he's asked us to be set apart. When we become born again believers, we should live out our whole lives, just like Samson, devoted to God. So what would like a modern day Nazarite vow look like? Well, let's take the first one, drinks. All right, back in the day, everybody drank wine. It was just like the drink of choice back then. And everybody had grapes. That was just kind of a plentiful thing way back then in Israel. And so you have this idea that everybody does it. But you're choosing to abstain or not do that thing to show that you are set apart. Well, what's things in our life that everybody does that we could choose to abstain for a lifetime? 
or maybe we try our best to abstain from it from a, for a little bit of time like a normal Nazarite vow. Maybe it's just social media. Everybody's on social media. And it's, there's some good things, but we all know that there's some very not healthy, very bad things on there as well. And so we go, okay, I'm going to choose to abstain from those things to be able to focus a little bit more on God. Everybody uses bad language. Oh my gosh, does everybody use bad language, right? But we can choose, okay, just because everybody does it, I'm going to be set apart and not do that. Everybody's got ego and pride like at the sports when somebody wins, it's all about them and how awesome they are. seems like everybody kind of rocks that way. And it's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be different, consecrated. I'm going to choose to live the way God loves. Or literally, maybe no drinking means no drinking. Just like, just like this is because everybody goes out and parties and everybody does the, the drinking and the drugs and the sex before marriage. And you're going, okay, because I've asked God to be my Lord and Savior, because I've chosen to live for him, maybe I need to live a life kind of like that. So we could do it that way. No haircuts. Maybe we just don't get mullets. Maybe we just don't get mullets. Okay. Maybe we just don't get mullets. But what, would it, but what would that look like? What, what did that symbolize back then? Well, everybody was, you know, fairly well cut back then. So if all of a sudden you were kind of looking a little shabby, like you hadn't shaved in a while, then people would just assume, oh, he must be walking, like going through a Nazarite vow. It was a physical thing. People could look at you and go, oh, they're set apart. They're choosing to live out this life. And so maybe for you, it goes, I need to learn how to show my faith in a few different ways. Maybe a very real way is, is walking around with like a Bible in hand at school uh, and not just like in your phone, but like a book. A book is this thing with like pages in it and paper um, and like you, you flip through the paper pages. Uh, the Bible actually comes in, in book, book form too. Or uh, maybe it's just uh, you wear a Christian shirt. You have a shirt from a 4640 conference. It literally just says Jesus on it. And, and maybe it feels a little bit weird. and You know you're going to get picked on a little bit, but it's a physical appearance. People look at you and go, oh, they're set apart. They're holy. Or maybe it's just how you post on social media. You choose not to post negative things, complaining things, but you choose to post things that glorify God. But people will see that and go, oh, that person is living for Christ. So then the last one is no touching dead stuff. Maybe we just don't go hang out in uh, graveyards and touch dead things. That sounds great to me. But also, there's this idea that when we become new again, like new believers, and we ask Jesus into our heart, it says we become dead, like we, we, we die and become born again, that, that sin is now dead to us. Our old self is dead, and we are born again and, and made into new creations through Christ Jesus. And maybe that don't touch dead stuff is don't go back to the old ways of living before you accepted Christ in your heart. Maybe that's, that's I, before I knew Jesus, I, I, I did use a lot of bad language, and now I'm not going to touch that anymore because that's not me. Maybe I complained a lot, but now I know that God doesn't want me to complain as much as he wants me to pray to him. Bring my concerns and my worries to him, so I'm not going to do that. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's, all, maybe it's the, the way I, I look and I lust after girls or, or guys. All of these things we go, those are, the, those are dead to me. And so I'm not going to go near those things because I'm living set apart and holy for God. So we can live out a separate, it's like a separated, set apart, holy life like Samson did. But we're going to find out here real quick that Samson did not, absolutely not stick to his vows. That's right. So now we're in Judges chapter 14 and it's flash forward a little bit to where Samson has grown up into this promising young man. And he has decided that it's time for him to find a wife. Seems pretty legit. So him being a God-fearing, Israelite, good person with this Nazarite vow, he decides that he's going to go 
Look around the cities that are controlled by the Philistines to find a wife. You know, the same Philistines that he's been born to rescue his whole nation from. Uh, He's going to go look there for a wife. Now, the Philistines were a violent group of people who had been in control of Israel for over 40 years at this point in time. They worshipped a different god, and they were very barbaric and violent in nature. Sounds like the perfect place to find a wife, if you ask me. Now, Samson saw a woman that caught his eye, and he was like, yeah, I think that's the one. So he pulls this awesome Prince Charming move, and he tells his parents to go fetch her for him. So his parents warned warned him against it in Judges chapter 14, verse 3. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Samson wasn't having any of this, though, and he still made them arrange for them to meet. So while they're walking down to the city of Timnah, this is the city where this girl lived that he saw, they're walking down there, and the Bible talks about this story, how they were passing by a vineyard, and all of a sudden, a lion jumps out and attacks Samson. Crazy, right? And then the Bible says that the power or the spirit of the Lord comes over Samson, and he rips the lion's jaws apart. And then the Bible tells us that he doesn't even tell his parents about it after it happened. Now they're on this journey together. I don't know how they got far enough away from each other to not notice that there's a lion attacking their son. But nonetheless, he doesn't tell him. And then also, you got to think, Samson's clothes have got to be covered in blood. And this didn't raise any red flags for his parents. Which brings up the question, how many times has Samson come home covered in blood for his parents to not even question that he's covered in blood at this point. So nonetheless, they carried on. They finished their journey. Samson decides that he wants to marry this woman. So he returns home for a little while while they're planning the wedding. And then when he's on his way back to actually have the wedding, he decides to take a little detour. And he wants to go back and he wants to see the place that he killed the lion. So he takes a little detour into that same vineyard and he sees the lion. Uh, It says in Judges chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, that he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it. And he also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. He didn't tell them that this was honey from uh, the dead carcass of a lion, right? This is horrific. Why would you do that? And more importantly, though, this is the first time that we see Samson go directly against his Nazarite vow that he is called to be set apart for his entire life. He had this interaction with the dead carcass of the lion. And not only did he have an interaction with it, he ate honey that was growing out of it. This is disgusting. And then I got to thinking, I was wondering why Samson went back to see this lion in the first place. Now, I think that it's something that we all go through in our lives as well. Because we have all struggled and tried to come against habits and sins in our lives, and we have been able to conquer them like Samson was able to conquer this lion. But then we go back to them. We want to go check on it because we have overcome this great victory, and we want to check on it, and we want to look and see our accomplishment once again. So Samson went back to see the lion, and he sees it, and he's looking, and there's something else there this time, something else that's trying to lure him back in to fall into that sin of not coming into contact with the dead body. And that was the honey. 
So we have to make sure that when we're going through something similar in our lives, that we see that the honey isn't really what it's all cracked up to be. We can put ourselves in Samson's shoes in this situation, right? And we can say, you know, maybe I was in this relationship that I got out of, and it was so bad. It was so destructive towards my mental health, but now I'm out of it, but I just want to check on it. I want to see how that person is doing. So you pull up their Instagram page, and the first thing you see is a picture of them smiling. And then you see that they've been working out. They've been hitting the gym. They look pretty good. And this is that little bit of honey, that little bit of sweetness that's trying to pull you back in. But it's, you have to look past that and you have to realize that no matter how sweet that may seem, it's coming from something that's dead. And maybe something else, you've overcome addiction in your life as well. You know, maybe you've overcome vaping or smoking weed. And that's awesome that you've been able to get over this stuff. But then you go and hang out with a group of people that do these things. And just by being near them, you've put yourself at such a high risk of falling back into that sin again. So we have to overcome the human nature that is to go back to something that is bad. It says in Second Peter 2, verse 22, that what the Proverbs say about them is true. A dog returns to where it has thrown up, and a pig that is washed goes back to rolling in the mud. Falling back into sin is the natural way that a human will respond to things. It will go back to what is comfortable. But we have to lean into our connection with God and flee from that temptation to fall into something that we have already conquered. So when we go through these struggles that we have already conquered, it is vital that we are able to widen our vision And see that what is drawing us into that sin is a trick. The sweetness that is being shown to us is nothing compared to the sweetness of being close to God. So we have to be certain that we can see the tricks and the lies that will lead us into sin like we saw with Samson. So Samson's story gets a little bit crazier after this, all right? So the whole thing, like, he does get married, but then during the wedding, he, he, there's this whole ordeal where he gives them a riddle that's based off of the whole he found it. He killed a lion and then found some honey in it. And so he says this weird riddle to his 30 groomsmen. He says, hey, if you can answer this riddle, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. And if, and if you don't answer riddle, you got to give me 30 sets of clothes. I don't know why it's clothes. It seems a little bit weird, but he likes fashion. It's fine. Uh, but then his wife already knew the answer, and she tells the dudes about, like, the answer. And so they get the answer right. So then Samson has to pay up. So rather than going in, you know, like the, the like going to TJ Maxx and going in there and finding 30 outfits, he goes to another town and he just kills 30 Philistines and takes their clothes and gives it back to them, okay? <laughs> I don't know. He's got some anger issues. See, he's not perfect. So then he, he leaves this area because now he's killed 30 guys, right? And he comes, and then after a while, he comes back to get his wife. Well, it turns out they thought he wasn't coming back, so they gave his wife to another dude. Then he gets mad about it. So then, and he gets mad about it. So this is what he does. He goes and finds 300 foxes. He lights all their tails on fire, and he sends them out into the farming fields of the Philistines. I don't know what this guy's saying. He's kind of a psychopath, right? Like, who does that? So then he, he lights their entire fields on fire, and they get mad. So then they come back, and they retaliate. So they're like, oh, yeah. So then they kill his wife, who's married to the other dude, and his father-in-law. And then they, the Philistines invade Israel. Well, now Israel is like, well, what the heck? What did we do? We didn't do nothing. So then they're like, why are you here? We want Samson. They're like, well, okay, we'll give you Samson. I don't care. So then they go to Samson and they're like, Samson, 
you messed up here. We need to turn you into the Philistines because you lit the foxes on fire and you killed all the... You're crazy, okay? So we need to deal with this a little bit. So they do that and they turn him in. And so they give... And he's like, fine, you can turn me in because he could have stopped them. But he's like, tie me up, give me to them. But don't kill me, okay? Just tie me up because he kind of had a little bit of a plan. He goes and kills a thousand of them, okay? That's what he does. And you imagine killing a thousand people by yourself that's going to take a long time. That's some like endurance there. That dude has been doing some cardio to just keep swinging away. And what he killed them with was a jaw of a donkey. Okay. Like that's what he did with like, he, he, he it's, it's just fascinating story. And it says that he, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He picked up a donkey jaw bone, a fresh bone, and he goes and he kills a bunch of them. It says in Judges 15, 15, he found a fresh jaw bone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it. Okay, so what's the significance of a jawbone? What, like, why, why was it a jawbone? I don't think it was anything super specific about the fact that it was a donkey or anything, but I think the truth that we got to remember is he used what he had. It says he looked around, he saw a jawbone, and he picked up the jawbone, and he used it to kill a thousand people, all right? That's incredible. But the same goes for us, because I think when we're facing difficulties in, in our life, that God has already given us what we need. But we think we need something else. We think we need the right tool. We think we need the right pop amount of popularity. We think we need the right education. We think we need the right uh, like Bible verse knowledge, Bible knowledge. And, and, and we think, oh, I can't do anything right now because I don't have the right tools. But could you imagine if Samson looked around, like they, all those Philistines were coming at him. He looked around. He's like, well, I don't see a sword. Guess I'll die. <laughs> right? Like... He didn't do that. He looked around and he found what he had. And then it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And with a simple jawbone of a donkey, he was able to do something truly incredible. So the question I have to ask is, what is the jawbone in your life that you think is just, is not going to work? It's not going to be the tool you need to get over that difficulty, that temptation, that trial, that, that problem, that drama in your life. But maybe God has already supplied the right thing if you ask him for help. Maybe it's literally the Bible. You're just going, I have that right here in my phone or the book, right? And, and you open that up and there's a Bible verse exactly what you need. You didn't think you had what you need. You thought you were going to need to like spend way more time or something like that, but God has a Bible verse that can be that. Maybe, maybe it's just a trusted friend. You're going through something really difficult and, and you're thinking, I don't have the right tools to get over this, but maybe God's saying, I, you've got the donkey jawbone right next to you and it's the friend right next to you. Okay. He's not a donkey. Is, okay. He's a jawbone. We're not going back into that again. So but maybe it's just talking to that person, saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. Will you help? And they are exactly what you need to get over that. Maybe it's a worship song that just, the right song that's just going to hit you. And you're, you've got it right there on Spotify. That If you just hit play, all of a sudden it's going to just speak to you and change your perspective. It's a Bible verse. Maybe it's just one kind thing that you do for somebody, that, you know, and they, all of a sudden you do that one thing. You show a little mercy, a little grace. You do one kind thing that you didn't think you had in you, but you look around and you're like, I can do that one kind thing. And it eliminates all that drama and all, finally all that stuff starts to clear up. Use what you have and you can do amazing things. Use what you have. Ask God to help you and you can do amazing things. If you use what you have now, not wait for something better, not wait for the right tools, but understand that God has equipped you to do amazing things now. And you invite him, the Holy Spirit, to come. You can do incredible things just like Samson did. 
That's right. So moving forward into the story of Samson, we're now in chapter 16, and Samson's got himself a new girl, and her name is Delilah, and Delilah is the worst. So it says that they weren't married, but they were, Samson was in love with her. Well, Samson was in love with her, and they were not married, and we don't know much else about Delilah except for her name. And the Bible tells us that five Philistine leaders approached Delilah and each offered her 1,100 shekels of silver if they could tell them, if she could tell them the secret to Samson's strength. Now, she obviously agreed to this because 1,100 shekels and five people, 5,500 shekels of silver, the equation of that in today's money is like $40,000. So, of course, she was going to chase that bag. She was going to go get that money and she was going to bring home the bacon. So... She agreed, and she tried multiple times to get Samson to tell him, to tell her his secret. So the first time she asked him, what is the secret of your strings? Samson said, if you tie me up only using fresh bowstrings, I will be as weak as any other man. Seven fresh bowstrings to be exact. Now, obviously, this was just something that he made up that was fake. So when the Philistines at night, when they'd come in and all of a sudden be there when he was supposedly subdued all of a sudden, he was able to break free from these things and scare the Philistines off. I don't know if Samson was just like playing a fun game with Delilah in this or if he was just being like the classic dude. You know, guys, you know what I'm talking about. When a girl likes us, sometimes we just get really, really dumb. And you know, we have this tendency to throw all logic and common sense out the window as soon as a girl likes us. So Delilah would be like, yo, Samson, tell me the secret of your strength. And Samson was like, all right, if it means you like me. And this is what leads to our downfall. Samson had some major red flags that were just completely ignored by Samson, and it led to his demise. And Delilah got really mad. When she, when she was not succeeding at her task of figuring out the secret of Samson's strength. So it says in Judges chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, it says, Then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Of course Samson gave up the secret to his strength. He's got her on his heels the whole time about it. So, of course, he says everything about his Nazarite vow and that he, his hair has never been cut. So if you cut it, he'll be as weak as any other man. So then Delilah, of course, takes advantage of this. She's got that 40000 on her mind, you know. So she... Cuts, has someone cut his hair after he falls asleep, and then surprise, surprise, here come the Philistines, only this time they were able to subdue him and drag him away. Now, this is a true tragedy for Samson, but there's a different side to this story that I think we all need to have a little light shed on us. It is a true Hebrew tragedy of Samson's hair, just gone like that. However many years that it took to grow all that, gone in an instant. Samson's poor decision of who he chose to spend time with was ultimately what led to his downfall. And he was wore down to the point that he gave up the one thing that was keeping him going. Also, what none of these people knew who were after Samson and after the secret to his strength was that his strength was no secret at all. His strength came purely from his connection with God, his Nazarite vow that was calling him to be set apart. Now, he had already broken this vow in a couple of different places. 
he had already come into contact with the dead body when he was, at, when he was coming into contact with the dead body of the lion. And he had already, we, it doesn't ever explicitly say that he drank any type of alcohol in the Bible, but for his wedding celebration to that girl way back in Timnah, it's, the Bible said that he attended a seven-day drinking party for his wedding celebration. So it's pretty safe to assume that he had some sort of contact with alcohol in that week. So all that he had left apart from this Nazarite vow is his hair. It was the last thing keeping him connected to God. And we can look and we can see the same kind of things in our lives too. The same thing goes for us. True strength in our lives comes when we are connected with Christ. Now we may get physically stronger when we go to the gym or play sports, but without God, none of this strength really matters, does it? We have to understand that what strength we have can be gone in an instant if we don't have God by our side. And this strength that we get from God is what we use to overcome anxiety, to come against temptation in our lives. And anything that the devil tries to throw at us, this is the strength we use to defend ourselves against that. And sometimes we have all the strength that we need. And we can fight against these things with ease, but other times we're hanging on by a thread like Samson was towards the end of his life. We can learn from Samson and his mistakes as to how we can avoid just having one thing that we're holding on to. And we can learn that we can rebuild this connection with God. Samson's final decision that led to his downfall was who he was with, and that was Delilah. You remember how I said she was the worst? Well, she was the reason that Samson gave up his strength, gave up who he was, gave up his set-apart call from God. And once we know this, once we know that this is what led to Samson's downfall, we can start to think about who is in our lives, who we're spending our time with, who are our friends, and are they good influences to us? Are they trying to get us to go out and party with them? Are they saying, yeah, smoking weed isn't that bad? It's just a lot of fun. If these are the type of things that your friends are trying to get you to do, it might be time to reconsider who you're hanging out with. Proverbs 18.24a says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. So now that, we can know, now that we know this, we can surround ourselves with people who love God, people who will push us into our calling to be set apart by him. And then we can re- begin to rebuild our connection with him. We can strengthen the bond that we have with him so we're not only holding on by a thread like Samson. Then we can have our strength to overcome the enemy and we don't have to worry about losing everything like Samson did. So Samson's story continues in the book of Judges, which is in the the Old Testament in chapter 16. And it's really crazy what happens in his story. But I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'd love for you to go home and open your Bible or go on your phone and download the YouVersion app and open it and go to the book of Judges and find that chapter and finish the story and ask God, God, what are you telling me in the rest of this story? How, whatever happens at the end of this story, ask God, because that's exactly what we were trying to teach you in these moments, in these story words, is the Bible is not just a book. It's got... In fascinating things, and God is speaking to us, not just from the, like the, the, the Ten Commandments, and not just from the New Testament things where it's like very clearly telling you how you should live your life, but even in the stories. And these stories are fascinating and crazy and wild, and, and clearly there's so much going on in there. But Samson's story is just the perfect illustration of God can use you no matter what. 
God will use you for his purposes. And through this, through Samson's life, he continued to do things that did not please God, but he still tried to keep close to God and, and rely on God in small little ways. And God still used him and God can still use you no matter what. But dig into the word of God. Find those stories. Finish this story. Ask God what he wants to speak to you because he will speak to you. He can teach you through his living word. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for the story of Samson. As crazy as it was, thank you that we can learn so much from it. I pray, Lord, that we would just choose to live a life that is set apart, sacred for you, living a life that is honoring to you in every way, shape, and form. God, be with us as we go out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.